Geekies, and welcome to Trek Freaks, part of the Geek Freaks Network. On this podcast, we analyze and review episodes of Star Trek, starting all the way back at the original series. My name is John, and I'll be joined by my fellow Trekkie and fantastic co-host, Kevin. Fantastic and co-host, yep. I love that. Gotta spice I gotta it step up. my game up, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, what episode are we reviewing today? We are talking about season two, episode two, Who Mourns for Adonis? And that's season two of the original series, I should add. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so before we dive into that, I got a very loaded question for you that does relate to this episode. Let's, let's go. All right, my question is, so we've seen uh, many gods in Star Trek already, uh, but what would you consider the difference between an advanced alien species and a god? That is a very loaded question. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit more of a conversation than an answer, which I think is what you were going for. Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> uh, to right off the bat, I think we see more of what would be considered a god in this episode of Star Trek because he craves worshippers and followers. Um, advanced aliens that we see in Star Trek, a lot most of them don't like crave that specifically. They don't feed off of that the way that Apollo in this episode does uh, right off the bat. That's the only answer I can think of. Nice. So I, what are you thinking? Like, uh, so before we get too far, like I'll, you know, uh, admit, I guess I'm a Christian. So this is from my perspective as a Christian and a geek that likes to, you know, play with the sci-fi realm. Cause you know, not everything has to fit in a perfect box. Uh, but the way I understand it, the way I'd like to believe it is, an alien can, you know, manipulate matter in any which way they want if they're, you know, super advanced, like perhaps Q can maybe manipulate things or I don't know. I don't know which side of the line Q would be on, um, but a god can create matter and exists outside of our space time continuum. OK, OK. That that kind of walks the line of the uh, the prophets in Deep Space Nine. Um, right before we started recording it, you know, you mentioned that the, a lot of the people in Deep Space Nine called them the wormhole aliens mm -hmm. because they, in Starfleet's mind, the, the prophets aren't actual gods. They're more, they're just aliens that they don't understand the technology and the way of life of. They live inside of a wormhole that tr takes people from one quadrant of the galaxy to another. Mm -hmm. Um, but to the Bajoran people, they've been sending them orbs over time and these orbs um allow them to see like glimpses of the future or glimpses of the past or uh, other things that most civilizations could consider to be godlike abilities so i i think there's a lot of perspective in it like it's it's a matter of personal opinion mm -hmm. um the, i i think deep space nine probably walked that line the best but this episode actually did that part pretty well as mm -hmm. well yeah, because they do mention in this episode too, like they'll say, um, these these creatures, uh, you know, Adonis or Apollo, being on Earth at this time when they're just farmers and you know common people that have no technology at all, them arriving with the ability they have would make them gods to these people. So like you're saying, yeah. it is all about perspective and how you know advanced another race is versus your own as well. Um, it wouldn't be an episode of Trek Freaks if I didn't bring up Stargate SG-1. And the whole <laughs> premise of Stargate SG-1 is that the uh, the Goa'uld are uh, posing as ancient Egyptian gods. So you've mm -hmm. got Ra and Apophis as the, the first two big bad guys in Stargate. 
and they're the the night god and the sun god in ancient Egypt and ancient Egypt mythology. Um, in that show, we find out that they don't they're not actually taking the place of those gods. They're they're just posing as these gods like they have haven't formed this religion around themselves, but rather the religion was already intact there and they just stepped in place of the gods. Uh, yeah, um, this episode, I think, is the other way around where the yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. With no further ado, then let's jump into our warp speed recap. While scanning a seemingly insignificant planet, a giant green hand made of energy appears and grabs the Enterprise. An away team beams down to the planet and finds that their captor is none other than Apollo, one of the gods of ancient Greek mythology. He explains to them that all the gods of ancient Greece were in fact his people who traveled to Earth thousands of years ago. Apollo, commanding great power, tells the crew that they will be settling on this planet. He will, he will lead them and they will worship him. This doesn't fit the captain's schedule. As Apollo demonstrates his power and works to seduce young Lieutenant Belomus, the rest of the away team searches for the source of his power. From the Enterprise, Spock leads the bridge crew in breaking through his dampening field and identifying the structure acting as his source of, uh, of power. After they weakened his ego, Kirk gives the order and the Enterprise fires on the structure. Apollo hurls his lightning, but, to, uh, but is unable to stop the Enterprise. Uh, weak and filled with sorrow, the defeated Apollo fades away to join the other gods in a metaphysical plane of existence. The Enterprise is free to carry on and seek their next adventure. It has a good recap. Thank hit you. all the hit all the hard part or hit all the, it, the, the important notes. It's hard to consolidate the story sometimes. It's like I want to go into the little B plots and stuff, but it's like no, no, you gotta keep it vague. Yeah, I I was very glad I wasn't taking notes on this episode and that it, <laughs> this was your episode to do that. Yeah. Oh man, I would have been taking at some points I think way too many notes and at other points f- far too few. And I'll delete them sometimes. I'll be going like I'll be watching scene by scene and be typing out like what happened, you know, one after another. And then I'll go back and say, okay, that the last six lines can be deleted and replaced with one sentence that, you know, they did this than this and carry, <laughs> carry on. Like it wasn't, we don't need all those details sometimes. Right. Nice. Um, uh, what were your first thoughts of this episode? I So at first I liked it. I liked that they, uh, brought the this you know apollo this guy they found out in space on a planet far away and they tied it into our actual history on earth and not that it was like like you were saying it's not that he's pretending to be somebody from earth they realize or they surmise that he actually was the greek god of five thousand years ago and and all of his other people were the other greek gods and they came back and you know they once they realized they weren't needed on Earth anymore or weren't appreciated, uh, but then the rest of them obviously faded into a different realm or whatever. But yeah, I like how they, they made that connection. What do you think? Yeah. I I thought the episode was very cheesy. Um, it had some very, very poor writing in some instances. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that part of the backstory of the episode, though, like the character of Apollo, I liked that because it wasn't like all these other uh, all-knowing godlike creatures that we have met like this one actually has a 
a root in earth mythology mm-hmm. whereas all the other ones were just random beings that had extraordinary powers and yeah i mean this one kind of was too but at least had explained that he had been to earth in the past I don't know. There was a lot of stuff that seemed very backwards. Like they were trying to be very progressive on this in this episode about uh, the equality of men and women Mm -hmm. while still being very, very behind current day times and behind where they should be. I think there was even at one point uh, Apollo said to uh, Lieutenant Palomas, you're very intelligent for a woman or something like that. Yeah. And oh, God, it's just stupid shit like that is just but yeah it, i don't think that stuff is to degrade women i think it's to show the perspective of his time versus he's our a god time. Yeah. yeah and like back then women were just a trophy and today she gets to you know make her own choice because she's independent yeah and that's what i took from the episode that it was trying to at least as far as that was it was, was going it was trying to show the development of people through her but yeah yeah it had some very poor writing choices (laughs) along the way yeah i didn't hate the writing but i definitely there was a lot of cheesy scenes and it's just like come on guy i mean i know they're working with very you know limited cgi if any it's all like mostly practical effect illusions and stuff but uh yeah i wish they they put a little bit more into it but some of these episodes would be so great to just remat, like not just remaster, but redo the whole episode with modern technology and, and see what they could do different. But I don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we start. Uh, we see the Enterprise is scanning uh, the planet's called Pollux Four, uh, which they are, they say right away is a pretty insignificant planet. Uh, then we see Lieutenant Belomus is on the bridge, and Scotty uh, is interested in her. He's you know trying to pursue her. Whatever, uh, I think he asks her to date lunch or something, um, like a coffee date that's or something. What, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, because Bone said something like, uh, "I never seen him so so excited for coffee or something like that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is funny. We've so this is just to set her up as a, an attractive woman that the men are interested in, and that relationship that Scotty's interested in her, and therefore later trying to protect her. Um, but it's funny because we've never seen Scotty in that role yet too. So he's you know that's kind of a sweet friendly scotsman but yeah now he's like uh pursuing this attractive young lady uh so they're scanning up this planet and they as they get close i mean so far there's nothing going on and then they see this green hand probably like (laughs) one of the worst parts of the the show has to be this just giant green hand made of energy it's reaching towards the ship and they don't move out of the way they just like hey let's just let's just high five it or something. <laughs> and, <laughs> and sure enough, the hand grabs the ship and then they can't get away because it's going to crush the hole if they do. So that was, that was like pretty bad effect. But what would, what do you think they could have done to make that less cheesy? How could they have represented that, that, you know, entity capturing the ship without it being a poorly done green hand? I, I think it could have been anything other than a hand like they didn't have to make it a hand like when his head was floating in space they didn't have to do that either yeah. um i i think since m- the majority of the powers that he uses later on are like lightning based he could have done something based on lightning or they could have done something based on lightning rather than just have a giant hand squishing the ship yeah <laughs> it was i i don't know anything 
Or I was thinking like Olympus is built on clouds or something like that. So if it was just a bunch of clouds that are coming up from the planet and then it engulfs the ship, then they can't leave like, it. Yeah. And it could, at that point, it could like pull the ship down. Yeah. Like start slow. And then they have a ticking timer as well. There you go. For the episode. See, that would have been. Okay. I was like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was just that kind of from the get go. That looks pretty bad. But uh, So the ship's being held in place. They're trying to break free and they can't. A uh, floating head appears, <laughs> looking like a Greek god. He welcomes them. He nearly destroys the ship. He tra- tries to show them uh, his power when they refuse his invitation to come down. So then they agree to beam down. Though to me, like I noted, this is the point where any other captain would have like stopped, given him an ultimatum, attacked, done you know fight or flight, you know moment right here because. Once you're down on the planet, he has he already has control of your ship, and now he's separating you and your people. I don't know. Do you think you think this was a good idea for Kirk to just say, "Okay, we're going to come down and we'll negotiate with you," or should he have stayed on the ship and squirmed a little more? I don't know. It really depends on the captain. I think if you're uh, Cisco or Janeway or maybe even Archer, you're probably getting the hell out of there or trying to fight it off. Mm-hmm. But if you're Kirk, Pike, Picard. I think you're landing on the or beaming down to the planet to try to investigate. I th- I think it's just the more investig investigative mm-hmm. nature of certain captains. Um, probably would have been better for them if they didn't. But it's Starfleet, and this is five year mission to explore strange new worlds. And the first captains you mentioned more rely on their technology. I think while the later ones are more likely to get down there, get in their face, get in a fist fight, and then beam themselves back and get out of there. Right. I like it. Uh, I'm thinking like Harry Kim would have done some kind of trick with the shields to get the energy beam off and they would have, you know, gotten far enough away to just bomb the planet and leave. But I don't know. I mean, eventually they they are able to make a hole through the energy, the dampening field or whatever it was that was stopping them from shooting down. Or maybe it was just the hand itself that was stopping them. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Spock took a while. But come on, bud. <laughs> uh, let's see. So the... Um, when they go down the planet, they meet Apollo, and he explains to them that he is, in fact, the Greek god from their history, and that his people are space travelers, and they all, you know, went back to Earth five thousand years ago. Uh, and they, his, his dad was Zeus, his mom was a a human woman. Um, I don't remember her name. And that you know, pretty much their presence there is what created all the Greek mythology, and their people were there until they were no longer needed or or praised or sought after and they left back to their home planet but it was so lonely when they got home and they thrive on that praise and worship so his people literally uh, the way he explains it like one of the gods was would stand out on the edge of the cliff or something like that and slowly fade away into the wind until there was nothing but the wind left and so it's kind of hard to explain he says that you know we don't die we're immortal we're not like you humans so the best way I could uh, explain it in, in my recap, at least, was that they uh, carried on into a metaphysical plane of existence where they're no longer a tangible physical, you know, entity, but they exist somewhere else. So I don't know if it, that makes any sense. <laughs> it's, it's it's very interesting. Um, it, it's an interesting take on an ancient god or an ancient mythological being from our history. I like that they had that as part of the episode. It was uh, pretty cool to explore that. Yeah. 
Uh, so when Kirk refuses to worship Apollo, because that's what he wants, he's like, cool, finally I got some humans. Like it took you guys forever, but I knew you'd, you, you'd get into space at some point. And so it took 5,000 years. And he's the only God that's been, been holding out and waiting. Um, so he's like, cool, you guys are here. You're going to worship me. I will, you know, make sure you guys live well, but, you know, you got to treat me like a God. And uh, Kirk says, no, that we don't do that around here. Apollo doesn't like that. So he grows to about, I don't know, 20 feet tall is what I put. Uh, and it, But shortly after that, he vanishes. So <laughs> another question. I'm full of questions in these notes. Uh, <laughs> So just growing tall doesn't demonstrate much power. I mean, like, yeah, cool, you're tall, but what do you think he could have done to better demonstrate his power? I'm thinking like throw a building or a rock or stomp around or something to show that as a giant, I'm also more dangerous. Yeah, um, I don't. Know, we see that he like teleports or fades away and appears somewhere else. If he did that, like a bunch. I don't know. That'd be kind of like Q because Q does that sort of stuff a lot where he just snaps and then disappears, reappears in another place. But Mm -hmm. something that is more than just being bigger. uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe 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 he could have grabbed a few more people from the ship or started pulling the ship in toward the toward the planet. And they could have like physically seen what he's doing up in the sky or something. Yeah, that would have been a better demonstration. I don't know my Greek mythology, but maybe that's just a thing from Greek mythology as well, that they would just grow to be really big and that would scare the people or something like that. But yeah, it could be. I don't know. Sounds simple enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when he returns, uh, he's at his normal size and he flirts with Lieutenant Belomas. Uh, Scotty protests and, you know, hollers at him and tries to pull his phaser and shoot at um, Apollo, but Apollo shoots back his lightning at the phaser, which, you know, destroys the phaser that's in Scotty's hand and actually disables all the other phasers that the the rest of them have. And it, it like, kind of burns Scotty's hand. He's holding it for a little while. Um, but then he... Oh, he gives uh, Lieutenant Belomas a dress. So he's talking to her about how beautiful she is and, like, Aphrodite and all that stuff, and she would make a good... good uh, uh, goddess and so he he plans on taking her to be you know his bride or whatever his his girl and scotty again doesn't like that so he uh, uh goes to follow him and say no you're not going to take her and again he like swats his hand and uh scotty goes flying with the the dress thing that kind of reminded me a lot of, I think shore leave was the episode mm. where the, the woman that is that McCoy is interested in mm-hmm. is like thinking about some, uh, old style English dress. And then all of a sudden it appears and she changes into that. It reminded me so much of that scene. And it's just like, what? I think they're just using it as an excuse to get the woman dressed up in that kind of attire. Mm-hmm. But What's funny is I don't know. we see okay we've seen uh we've seen Kirk be interested in other women on the ship occasionally but you know he's the captain so he can't really stay involved that makes sense but we've seen Bones and now Scotty who are pursuing these other women on the ship and then a couple episodes later nothing like okay are you guys dating now did you just <laughs> hook up did she tell you no like what where'd this go i want to know it's it's one of those tv tropes where everything that's at the or the episode has to end the way it began so everything is for the next week if yeah. yeah if you miss an episode you're not missing anything and it's like they're in the episode they're so like 
set on, you know, making her happy or, or earning her appreciation or admiration or something. So it's like obvious in the character, but then in the next episode, they're not doing that anymore. So it's like, okay, obviously it's got settled one way or another, uh, but she probably just said, thanks, no thanks and turned you down. But uh, yeah, we never know. So uh, let's see. So after <clears throat> Apollo takes Lieutenant Balomas, they uh, Kirk and Bones are kind of considering his power. They're trying to figure out, you know, they know he's got to have some kind of energy source. They say he's not a god, um, but he could be could have been mistaken for one in the past, is what uh, Kirk says. And so yeah, they must find his energy source. Yet another question I got: If they're able to find uh, his power source, could they not beam it back to the ship and use it and find a way to, you know, make another type of propulsion or just another weapon? It seems like something you wouldn't want to destroy. It does seem like something you wouldn't want to destroy. I, I agree with you there. I don't think it'd be something that would be easily integrated into the current ship technology, but it would be one of those things like, hey, we're taking this alien thing aboard. We're going to study it or take it back to Starbase 12 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have them, the Starfleet scientists, study it and see how to. Like, I, they kind of do that with the Borg later on. Like they adapt Borg technology to work with with Federation technology. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know, because the way we end up finding that, that this little structure is the source of his energy or his, his power. If you take that away, he has almost no, no power. So like, man, this this stuff can make somebody a god, whatever it is. Um, it's made out of the same material as Trelane's mirror. Yeah, <laughs> it just exactly. didn't make the stupid sound effect. <laughs> oh man, so I don't know. That'd be interesting. If I was in Star Trek, it's like, hey, we gotta. I would be like the the people that just fly around and and follow the Enterprise and pick up whatever advanced technology they left behind. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they yeah. decimated a planet. All right, so after this, we go back to the ship. We see that uh, they're still trying to break free, but they have no luck. Um, Ahura is trying to do a comms bypass circuit. So it's kind of cool to see her like behind the panel and, and soldering wires together or something. And, we see- and it was really cool that Spock said that uh, sh- that she's the only person that he could f- that he could uh, see being able to do this yeah. job that she's doing, too. So she kind of puts her up at a, a higher pedestal, too. Right. Um, and then Sulu detects radiation but he, from the planet, but he cannot determine exactly where it's from. And so Spock tells him, pretty much scan the entire planet. He says, do the process of elimination, find out where it's not until you figure out where it is. And it's funny, Sulu's like, you know, the whole planet? And he looks at Spock and Spock's like, he doesn't respond. And Sulu's like, oh yeah, yeah, the whole planet. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, this is going to take all day, but whatever. My time is pointless if we don't solve it. We've all had tasks like that at work <laughs> where it's like, uh, boss, you sure you want me to do it this way? Okay. <laughs> you want me to sweep the sand on the beach? All right. <laughs> I get paid by the hour. Right. Um, all right. So then uh, Adonis explains a little more about the gods. I think this is when he's talking specifically to Lieutenant Belomas, but um, he explains that the gods need worship to live just like we need food. So that's kind of explains why the other gods faded away. They all came back from earth and their planet, you know, was pretty much empty. They didn't have people to, to worship them, but I don't know that kind of, I wonder if that's something they developed when they left and found worshipers or before they left. Was that, were they, these people always required worship because they don't seem to have uh, other people on their planet that 
could serve as their worshipers. I choose to think of it more like a a drug where if you have it, you need it. And if you don't have it, you lose it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, all but Apollo, when they came back, he explains that they, they rejoined the cosmos is the way he says it. Uh, but Apollo was the only one that held out waiting for humanity because he knew that at some point they're going to make it to the stars and uh, he wants to have another run at, at a successful empire or, you know, kingdom, I guess. Um, though I like, I like that they made a kind of a limit or weakness to Apollo in this, how, you know, if he doesn't have worshipers, he pretty much, I mean, he, he still has some power, but he won't be as powerful as he could be. And so later we see like, they try to, you know, laugh at him, humiliate him and stuff like that to, to not allow him to feel that power of praise. Um, that's good. Cause I don't, I don't like when they have like Q, Q is, is dangerous because he has, unlimited power we'd still as far as i understand i don't think we found a limit to what he can do at least not in any episodes i remember and that's a it's a dangerous character or attribute to have in any movie or tv show because like even superman's got a limit batman's got a limit like green lantern has to recharge his ring all these power super powerful characters uh, but you have to have some kind of some kind of stop at what they could do so that you can push that, that border and kind of play with it, manipulate it a little bit. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you'll go past it, but there has to be an excuse why. And then, you know, you fall back again, but there has to be some sort of limit for there to be drama. Cause if there's no drama, then what's the point is a TV show. Yeah. There's no risk. Right. So I, I don't know what Q maybe, I don't know. It, maybe it's just cause he gets lonely and wants to play or something like that, but that's not even really, much of a, a weakness or I don't know. Maybe we'll find it in, in, uh, the new in episodes season of Picard. two of Picard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So then Apollo returns alone. He leaves Lieutenant Palomas, which I don't understand. Maybe she's just sitting by the lakeside or something like that, but he returns alone. Scotty tries to attack him again. Apollo shoots him with another bolt of lightning. And then, which was a good effect, the way they did the, I know they have like a ripcord or something behind behind him and yanks him, or the stunt devil. Uh, but then he does like a force choke on Kirk, which was <laughs> pretty cool. I like, it's, he has the sound effect of a strike of lightning, but then Kirk can't breathe. Uh, but then, immediately after that, Apollo uh, walks up the altar to his throne, his big chair, and we see that he's really weary and weak, and... um Eventually, uh, and Chekhov is watching him, and eventually he vanishes. Uh, So, you know, that's kind of the limiting factor we're seeing is that he can also only use his power so much, and then it kind of wears him out. He's also holding the ship this whole time. Right. Um, So, but I wanted to ask another question. (laughs) Again, I put a lot of questions in these notes. I usually don't put that many. Questions are great. Yeah, it gets us into tangents at least. (laughs) Um, So... When he comes back, he does the lightning bolt, the force choke. Oh, he didn't grow it. Yeah, just okay. He did two attacks, and he's still holding the ship. Do you think that short period with Carolyn, with with the uh, Lieutenant Belomas, where she's showing a little admiration for him, she's not you know worshiping him, but he says he's a god, and she says okay, a god. Like you think that little interaction increased his his power already? And you know we saw instead of just shooting the phaser out of out of Scotty's hand this time, or, you know, the weapon, he just throws him with a lightning bolt. 
And then he's able to also force choke. So to me, it seems like maybe he's already a little bit stronger. Yeah, I, I didn't actually think of it that way until you put it that way. I was just thinking like he's getting angrier, so he's using more of his abilities. But not the way you put it actually makes a lot more sense that he's getting a little bit of that worship that he's craving from one person. So it's enough to start sparking that powerful change in him. Yeah, I like it. And maybe they didn't intend on that, but it's, it sounds better that way anyways. The Trek Freak's headcanon. All right. Uh, so after this attack, he, you know, he disappeared because he got too tired. And so the guys get together and like, hey, we got to figure out what we're going to do. And Chekhov, you know, explain that, hey, yeah, he looked really tired before he vanished. So they, they deduce that, hey, if we, if we all push his buttons and he'll attack all of us, he'll shoot lightning at every one of us, but he's going to get so weak that then maybe we'll have the upper hand on him. Uh, so they, they plan to push his buttons and call him you know, names and stuff like that until he fights him. Uh, and they argue back and forth for a minute. But uh, before we get too far past that, I got to point out, <laughs> at this point, Kirk does say, when, when uh, Apollo returns, he says, Mankind has no need for gods. We find the one quite adequate, which may not mean I'm not saying in the future of Star Trek, they, you know, all of Earth or most of Earth believes in the Christian God, but they do believe in, or at least from Kirk's perspective, he thinks majority of mankind believes in a single God. So, yeah, I think I think you're on the right track. It's less that the entire earth believes in that. I think it's more 1960s America. <laughs> yeah. The majority of that of them yeah. believed in one singular God and it was easier to they had to throw that out there to appease, you know, the, the viewers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I took it, at least. Yeah, because then the people but, are going to stop watching yeah. Star Trek to call it blasphemous and all this, which we've seen <laughs> right. like five other gods before this, though. So, it, right. Those yeah. People How's are gonna... this one going to be the yeah. one that tips it over the, the edge? There? Yeah. But uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, they all uh, are like laughing at Apollo and, and re- trying to ridicule him and really knock down his ego and then he does like step forward to strike them but lieutenant balomas throws yourself in front of him and says no no you know please show them mercy um so he lets them be and he orders them to have the enterprise crew beam down and start preparing to settle and then he disappears again with lieutenant balomas uh, so that plan mm-hmm. that plan looked like that would have definitely worked before balomas got uh in the way got in the middle of it and started pleading for mercy i yeah yeah but too bad i like that they had that in there they had to have the failed plan in there but why couldn't they just try it again later yeah (laughs) that's where i was at with it and what would they have done though if if he starts attacking them all and he wears out his energy say he shoots each of them once what do they do next he'll vanish they can't just like strangle him once he's done attacking each of them he'll vanish again restore his energy and come back Right. Well, by that point, he would have drained too much of his energy to hold the ship in place and block the transporters. I see. So they could have beamed back up and gotten away. I forgot about that part. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been that would have been good. Um, Let's see. After vanishing, uh, after vanishing, Apollo speaks to Lieutenant Balomas of his love for her. He promises her everything. She could, you know, have everything she ever wanted, and she starts to fall, you know, deeply in love with him because. He's a god, and he's speaking very poetically to her and uh, about how much he loves her and how gods have taken uh, human women before to be their mates and all this stuff. So he's whispering sweet nothings into her ear, and she's soaking them all up. 
So shortly after that, she uh, arrives back to Kirk with a message of peace and servitude from her God. She says pretty much, you know, hey boss, if you can just kind of shut up and be nice, uh, my God will be okay with you and you can just serve him very well and uh, <laughs> we won't have any more problems. And Kirk explains that, that she has to reject him. He's like, you don't understand what's going on, but you have to stop showing him love and admiration and appreciation. Uh, he grabs her hand and speaks to her of their shared humanity. And so both of them were being like poetic and really getting inside her head because now it's like more or less she's going to decide the fate of the ship because of, of, you know, the Enterprise crew. And so poor Caroline's just being torn in two different directions. Before you get any further, I wanted to mention that before Kirk talked to her, mm -hmm. uh, Chekhov was like, oh, I could talk to her, Captain. <laughs> he turns to him and says, how old are you? 22? I better do it. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so great. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was a, that was a really good line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So another question I got for you. If there was no lives on the line, do you think she would have stayed? Do you think Carolyn would have stayed with Apollo? Yeah, um, I do. Just because that's how a lot of the women in the show are written. Um, <laughs> we saw that with Khan. The, yeah. the, the woman on the Enterprise betrayed the betrayed Kirk and crew. And then ended up living on the planet that Kirk dropped Khan off on. So, yeah, I do think that that's how that would have gone. <laughs> All right. That would have, that would have sucked for her if, if the rest of the Enterprise is allowed to leave. She's left behind as the only one to worship him, to keep him alive, pretty much. So she has to spend her days, you know, he'll maybe treat her as a queen or a goddess, you know, for, for a short period or whatever. But he can't do that forever because he needs her praise for him to to thrive so it would have been a very one-sided affair it would have been a very abusive relationship which i'm glad that the story didn't go that <laughs> yeah, that direction exactly. but that's where it would have gone yeah all right so then we go back to the enterprise we see a horse comms bypass did work and so they're able to uh hail the away team so spock hails kirk uh, and they're they're able to identify now the structure that he's been sitting on this where his little throne is and stuff uh, that is the source of his power. Uh, and yeah, it's, I mean, they've been standing next to that for the entire episode, pretty much, with tricorders <laughs> in hands. <laughs> Come right. on. But to be fair, it's probably an energy source they've never seen before because he's a god and alien and they don't know what they're looking for. Uh, though the ship yeah, is I able to identify it. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, the ship is more powerful than the tricorders. Yeah. I. I don't know that that I didn't think about that. That's shit. That kind of took me out of the episode a little bit. Now <laughs> thinking about that. I assumed that the power source was underneath the structure, like either in his throne or something like that. But it wasn't the actual building itself. It's like, no, it's it's legitimately the building. It's like, OK, yeah. it's like making the making a chair out of double A batteries or something. <laughs> I but I think of like know. ancient runes and stuff like that, like he could have, you know, put some kind of, I don't want to say like magic spell or anything like that, but a, a blessing from a god over it that makes it to where it can sustain his energy. The energy that he, you know, needs, he can store in that structure or whatever thing they bless with the power to do that. But, yeah, but we saw with Trelane's mirror that it was just a bunch of like gears and springs and stuff <laughs> behind it. Like it was a mechanical object somehow powering uh, the majority of Trelane's powers. Yeah. I wonder how this, like the science behind it working for Tr Trelane's machine looked like it also made like 
Hershey Kisses or something like that. It was a very mechanical device. It was interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So after this, uh, Carolyn, uh, yeah, Carolyn uh, asked about Apollo's evolution and social development when they're alone. Uh, She's asking him all these, you know, scientific questions. And she says, yeah, you know, I have to continue my work. Um, So he's looking at her like, what are you talking about? And eventually she's like, yeah, sorry, I don't actually love you. You didn't think I really loved you, right? Like, I'm just a scientist and I'm studying you. And so he gets furious, which, you know, makes sense. Uh, He starts a, like, big storm, summons a storm around them. Uh, I think he he leaves her there with the storm going on and he goes back to join the rest of the crew. Um, And then Kirk calls to the Enterprise to fire on the structure when he sees that, you know, he's Apollo's going crazy now, uh, which he does. The Enterprise, you know, destroys the structure, which kind of like glows red and then it fades into being destroyed, which is a, to me, a really, I don't know. It's a cheesy effect. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't care for it. Uh, but as they're, they're shooting the ship too, Apollo's shooting lightning from his hand as much as he can, trying to strike down the ship, but it doesn't stop them. Uh, and so, yeah, then we see his structure fades to rubble. Uh, so do you think if Caroline didn't reject him just before then, do you think he would have been able to destroy the ship with more power? Probably, but I think he was kind of in a, in a rage blindness mm-hmm. mode. Um, yeah, I, I think he definitely would have. Yeah. I, <laughs> I like to think that like, cause Kirk put that kind of weight on her on, on Lieutenant Belomas that you got to go to him and bring down his ego, make him feel like he's not a god, so that, you know, I guess in theory he would lose that power, and also we don't want him thinking you're going to stay stick around or anything. Uh, right. But yeah, I think that kind of brought him down a peg, so he's less powerful when, when they actually do attack. And she was the only one that was holding Apollo back from attacking the rest of them anyway, Yeah. so he, whatever little power he had left, he would have used by attacking all of them after calling down that storm. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, also he was expending some of his energy by pulling that storm together. So yeah. that's kind of another another drain on him. Uh so then he uh Apollo pleased with them about how great they could have lived under him. Like, you know, I could have I, I don't I don't have word for word what he said, but it could have been great pretty much. Uh that he would have been a great ruler and they would have loved him and blah blah blah. Uh but then he cries out to the gods before him. He names off a bunch of them too, Zeus and Aphrodite's and all them. And tells them that they were right and calls them to take him with them. And so sure enough, we watch as he fades away. And again, he's faded multiple times. But this time, we assume it's to that, that metaphysical realm, that different you know, non-physical existence uh, that the other gods were in. Uh, and then the Enterprise crew is free to, to leave and carry on to the next adventure. Yeah. So I think that my biggest complaint about this episode is that most of this story we have seen in the cage like it was you can live here and be happy but you're in prison and you know it yeah um like it, it it's the the whole freedom ver what like what is freedom and what is just easy living for the sake of easy living uh having all your wants and needs taken care like taken care of by somebody else as long as you play your part yeah, it's basically the same story as the cage, which is why I didn't like this episode that much. 
and we see the the cage again in the menagerie the two parter <laughs> later on so even if you didn't watch the exact the time when this episode was written they didn't air the cage they just aired it through the menagerie so we still got that story yeah. in season 1 already anyway and i didn't see a need to retell it this ego and everything too is also a lot like um like Trulane and and Khan even yeah so we've seen we've seen parts of this story in several other episodes and all all told before but yeah it was alright I do like that it tied back into like Earth history and you know kind of played it off that like yeah because I mean there's people there's a lot of people that believe that uh, humans were influenced by aliens a long time ago and so I was like that's kind of cool to actually tie that into our reality a little bit. Yeah, I but like that too. A little extreme, anyways. I, <laughs> I don't want to believe that we actually all came from aliens, but <laughs> right. But it, I don't know. It's interesting. All right. So, did you find any kind of moral to the story? Um, a little bit. I I kind of think different of it now after talking about the episode for a little bit. But the the thing that I got from it was uh to not forget your past, but also don't be held back by it. Mm-hmm. Like you can know things about your history but don't allow that to stop you from progressing through life in a way that you know you should which is kind of ironic given the treat the treatment of women in this episode <laughs> but i still think that some of it was redeemable especially with that Sc- the the spock uhura uh little back and forth about oh that i this is very uh intricate work i uh, it'll take me a little bit of time to do it basically do you want it done fast or do you want it done right and Spock reassures her, you're the only person that I would trust to do this job. Mm-hmm. Um, Which they yeah. have other engineers on there. She's a communications specialist, but it's awesome. That's that he's what saying. I wanted to talk about there, too, was yeah. if it, it's a it's a comms unit. So she knows the ins and outs of it, but she would know how to run it, not how to fix it or build it, I would think. Yeah, it's like nowadays trusting your pilot to know how to fix your airplane. Right. He can yeah. fly it, but he shouldn't know how to fix it. <laughs> exactly. That was, yeah, it's like the, the engineering crew is there to do that specifically. Yeah. But yeah, trust the, the, yeah, exactly. That was exactly the <laughs> reference I was going to say was using the pilot to fix the, the helm or it, something. Yeah. It's like, you wouldn't do that. You trust the engineer to do it, but yeah, sorry. Way off topic there. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't forget your past, but don't be held back by it. All right. I like it. All right, mine's a little long. I have I I typed it out <laughs> when I was two minutes. Uh, so even those who command great power, aside from God, have limits and weaknesses sometimes greater than their strengths. Uh, though they may try to hide their weakness and create an illusion of omnipotence, it is false and will crumble when challenged. So I like that. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that's probably what they were trying to tell. Yeah, I just I have a not coming from the same religious background as you do. I have a different perspective, perspective on that, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe that this is a hundred percent what they were trying to tell right there. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, a lot of people, even just regular, you know, we see billionaires and stuff like that, but you see Elon Musk, you're like, Oh man, that guy's got it. Oh, he knows what he's right. doing. He's making billions. He probably has palaces all over the world and he's in space and all this stuff. Now, yeah. But, you know what he does that we all do? He's, he poops. He sits on a toilet. Maybe it's a pretty one. I don't know. He's got a wife just like the rest of us. <laughs> he has to sit down and eat from a bowl with a spoon just like everybody else. He is human. He has limits and weaknesses like the rest of us. 
he probably has an achy knee every morning or something too. You know, it's just <laughs> he's normal. He's human. He happens yeah, to think, have made smart investments, but I think a lot of it is also uh, a warning to have like checks and balances on your own ego. Yeah. Like, don't allow yourself to think you're higher or above other people just because you have something that they don't mm -hmm. and you can take advantage of. Um, basically what you just said, but also as an introspective analysis rather than just on other people. Yeah. I've known people that like in their work, they have a little bit of authority, not even a lot, but they use it to manipulate the people that work under them to make them think that, oh, this guy knows everything. He's perfect. He's the best. And I got to do everything he wants and make sure he's, you know, taken care of and. And it's like, well, no, he he may be smart in one aspect of the job. But there's other things that, you know, he's doing. He has no idea. He makes it look like he knows exactly, but he's just completely guessing on the rest of this stuff and relying on you to fill in all the gaps. And you do a good job, but <laughs> you realize you're serving a, somebody who's not a god. He's just an idiot that's good at one part of the job. So, right. Yeah, it's hard. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a pretty good episode aside from the cheesy uh, visual effects. Right, so, yeah. You're not going to get away from the cheesy uh, visual effects in the, the, <laughs> the original series, yeah. Yeah. So I gave it a B plus. What'd you give it? Uh, I'm going to give it a C minus. Wow. I did not like this episode very much. Um, the story that was being told, like I said, it's been told throughout like three or four other episodes. It just kind of seemed like piecemealed together. Mm -hmm. um, the lack of environments and like uh visual not not special effects but practical effects mm -hmm. that it there was a lot to be desired out of the episode visually i do like the inclusion of a new character with lieutenant Belomis. i don't think we ever see her again um i the the one thing that i really did like was taking something from using something from earth's own mythology in the past and uh using that as the story like the basis of the story in this episode that was that was pretty good other than that i didn't care for it i did like uh, apollo's like overacting to his like theatrical acting was pretty yeah, yeah. it's pretty fun that's how when you think of uh those ancient greek gods that's what you think of is like <laughs> i am apollo and, like having the floating head in space that was it was very very cheesy but i didn't think that was as I, I i thought it was very fitting for the character unlike the green energy hand yeah it's like none of his other abilities are green energy why is this one green energy yeah. it makes no sense one effect they did do that was pretty good now that i think about it with the way you were just talking reminded me is when apollo would speak most of the time or possibly all the time is it had that like echo to his voice as if you know he's like a god calling down to you from the clouds like he had that yeah that echoey loud voice and it was it was pretty yeah pretty cool made him yeah. made him feel more powerful than a regular human yeah, he's exactly what you would think of when you say, hey, we're going to make this uh, ancient Greek god the the villain of the week on Star Trek. <laughs> that, uh, that was exactly what I was ex would have expected from that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything else on this episode? Uh, No, I'm glad I didn't take the notes on it. And <laughs> I, I honestly didn't have much to say outside of critiquing um, some of the writing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, don't forget to check us out on our social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, go through the uh, geekfreakspodcast.com and join us next week. We're going to be reviewing season two, episode three, The Changeling. Ooh, that sounds ominous. But until then, transporter room, two to beam up. Mm -hmm.